All right, how's everybody doing? Hotep, hey, this is Michael M. Hotep, founder of the African History Network, host of the African History Network show. I'm a talk show host, researcher, lecturer, and writer. It is Friday, January 25th, 2019. We made it to another Friday, and we are live. I wanted to broadcast earlier. Uh, I was having some problems with Zoom. I'm following these breaking news stories here. Roger Stone being indicted, longtime friend and advisor of Donald Trump. Um, 14,000 IRS workers not showing up to work. Can't say I blame them. Uh, delays uh, from the Federal Aviation Administration. Delays at four major um, airports. And I was filming the TV show this morning. That's why I had on a suit this morning. That's why I still have on a suit and tie. I uh, was filming a TV show, Wake Up with Steve Hood, which will air um, Sunday morning, February 3rd, 2019, 8.30 a.m. And uh, we'll post that video here on our, uh, we'll post that video here on Facebook uh, from YouTube once it uh, airs, okay? It's going to air on Channel 50 in Detroit, uh, Sunday morning, 8.30 a.m., February 3rd, 2019. But look, I wanted to deal with these uh, breaking news stories here before time gets away from me. So everybody share this broadcast on your Facebook page and invite your friends to tune in also, okay? All right, so it looks like there is a tentative deal reached in the 35-day government shutdown, and I knew it was coming. If you saw the broadcast I did a couple of days ago dealing with how um, uh, African-American-owned businesses are being destroyed by this government shutdown, go watch that on our Facebook page, the African History Network. Watch that on our YouTube channel, Michael M. Hotel, I-M-H-O-T-E-P. Uh, I knew this was coming. And in that video, I said half the TSA workers should just not show up to work. I said, I said what would happen if half the TSA workers didn't show up to work, okay? And then we saw this morning, for instance, if we look at, uh, and I've been monitoring Washington Post, New York Times, USA Today, things like that. Um, if we look at uh, the TSA, uh, uh, well, TSA agents have not been showing up, but specifically um, the, FA, the FAA, okay? Because you need uh, the air traffic controllers to control the flow of the planes flying, right? If you have a shortage of air traffic controllers, uh, you're going to have a big problem on your hands. And this is what's uh, been happening, okay? So if we look at this article, let me share this uh, quickly here on my uh, personal page. Everybody share this broadcast on your Facebook pages and invite your friends to tune in also, okay? So for instance, if we look at this article here from uh, Washington Post, FAA delays flights at New York's LaGuardia Airport, which is one of the largest airports in the country. I've flown out of LaGuardia a few times. It's one of the largest airports in the country. FAA, the Federal Aviation Administration, delays flights at New York's LaGuardia Airport, citing staffing shortages amid government shutdown. Now, all this is Donald Trump's fault. You have people who, who Flights are being delayed, things like this. They're, they're delayed getting to where they have to go. And also keep in mind, right, a lot of times people have connecting flights. So they're going to miss their connecting flight at, at, uh, uh, because this flight here is delayed, okay? So all this is Trump's fault. 
okay, majority of it. And then the other uh, part of it falls on Senator Mitch McConnell, who delayed a number of bills that passed the House of Representatives. He would not take a vote on them. Yesterday, uh, Thursday, January 24th, we know there were two bills that failed, and the Democratic bill got more Republican votes in, in the U.S. Senate than the Republican bill in the U.S. Senate. Imagine that. But federal, but federal officials temporarily restricted flights Friday into and out of New York's LaGuardia Airport, another example of the toll that the partial government shutdown in its 35th day is taking on the nation's airports, all right? Now, African-American business owners, hey, be sure to uh, post the name of your business here on the thread of the broadcast. We'll let you know how you can advertise with the African History Network as well. Email us at customer service at africanhistorynetwork.com, customer service at africanhistorynetwork.com also, okay? All right, so let's continue here. And, uh, okay, let's go back to this article from uh, the Washington Post because I have a bunch of tabs open. Uh, quote, we have experienced a slight increase in sick leave at two facilities, a spokesman for the Federal Aviation Administration said in a statement, quote, we've mitigated the impact by augmenting staffing, rerouting traffic, and increasing spacing between aircraft when needed. The results have been minimal impacts to efficiency while maintaining consistent levels of safety in the national airspace system, end quote. Now, White House Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who loves to lie on behalf of Donald Trump, because that's basically what she does on a daily basis, said Friday that Donald Trump had been briefed on the situation. Quote, we are in regular contact with officials at the Department of Transportation and the FAA, she said. Now, the, Na the National Air Traffic Controllers Association said on Friday, January 25th, 2019, the worker absences were not part of any coordinated effort. NATC uh, does not condone or endorse any federal employees participating in or endorsing a coordinated activity that negatively affects the capacity of the national airspace system or other activities that undermine the professional image and reputation of the men and women we represent. Uh, this uh, statement was given by Paul Rinaldi, who is the president of the National Air Traffic Controllers Association, okay? Nothing else matters except, except safety. Now, what we do know is that the air traffic controllers are not being paid. Some of them ha have turned to odd jobs. Some of them have turned to jobs like driving Uber and Lyft, things like this, to pay the bills to make, to make ends meet, okay? And they may be too tired to come and work, or they may be working another job, okay? So th these are real consequences of this government shutdown. Now, it is illegal for the union's members to strike, a legacy that the 1981 standoff between workers and, the, and, the, and President Ronald Reagan, who fired 11,345 striking air traffic controllers. Many, many of you remember when that happened, if you're old enough to remember that. I remember that vaguely when it happened. I was about 10 years old when it happened, okay? But I remember my dad talking about this. Re Ronald Reagan fired 11,345 striking air traffic controllers, okay? Now, Friday's action by the Federal Aviation Administration is significant because it is the first time since the government shutdown uh, began that there have been problems with, with staffing at air traffic control centers. The Transportation Security Administration, TSA, 
has struggled to keep security checkpoints operating at airports. But while those shortages may increase airport wait times, they do not affect how planes are managed once they are in the air. So TSA is over the security when you go through to get to the airport gates. The, the flow of traffic in the air, that's the FAA, Federal, Federal Aviation Administration, two government entities. So when I hear black people talk about, well, if we just have more businesses, this government shutdown wouldn't affect us. I'm like, I mean, do you understand the agencies that are impacted by this and what they do? Have you flown lately? I'm like, what are you talking about? Go back and watch the two-hour, 11-minute broadcast I did. Um, I did that on, what was that, the 23rd? Yeah, January 23rd. It was, it was, I started 11 a.m. January 23rd, and we finished about uh, 1 a.m. on the 24th, Okay. And that's uh, deals with black businesses are being destroyed by Trump's government shutdown. The patent office is closed. That process is patent applications. The Small Business Administration, the department that the, 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 the part of the SBA that processes small business loans, that's shut down. So your business loan can't be processed. This is having a big impact on many African-American-owned businesses. And we know that African-American-owned businesses make up 2% of businesses in the U.S., but 11.7% of federal contractors. And the federal contractors are not being paid. So this, is, has, this has huge, huge, wide-ranging wide ramifications, okay? So we see this going on with the uh, FAA. Now, there was a good article also from... Uh, um, what was that? USA Today, and we'll pull that article up also. And uh, I'm trying to monitor because Trump is speaking right now. So there, it looks like there's a tentative deal in the government shutdown, right, um, which would uh, reopen the government until February 15th. It would leave the $5.7 billion uh, on the floor for uh it will leave the 5.7 billion in the uh in the bill for border security but no money but no money for uh trump's stupid ass wall okay so i'm monitoring this as well and uh this has to be voted on it has to pass the house and the senate apparently as well but lawmakers trump agreed to reopen government for three week for three weeks renew talks on border wall funds this dumbass could have done this on day one. Because we all knew he was going to cave in. We all knew he was going to cave in. He lied and said Mexico was going to pay for this wall. Everybody said, you're lying. Even Jeb Bush said there's not going to be a wall. Mexico's not going to pay for the wall. He's conning people. Jeb Bush said that. He could have done this day one. Okay, so. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna keep going with this. And if he says anything like really, really important, okay, beyond him trying to save face and 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 not deal with the fact that he was outmaneuvered by Nancy Pelosi, okay. Um, if we look at the uh, article here from USA Today, that's entitled um, Let's see here, FAA, FAA flights delayed at four major airports due to staffing issues amid government shutdown okay we'll come back to we'll come back to that one so 
So he says, he, he says all government employees will see their back pay uh, very quickly or as soon as possible. Now, will that include federal contractors? Because normally federal, federal contractors don't get back pay. So congressional leaders and Donald Trump have reached a tentative deal to temporarily reopen the government and continue talks on Trump's demand for border wall money, Capitol Hill officials said Friday. This is the reporting from Washington Post, updated 1.24 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And uh, let's, let's refresh here. Now, all the lies he's telling, I'm just going to skip past all that BS, okay? I'm going to skip past all the BS, the lies, trying to save face. He was outmaneuvered by a woman, things like this. You could have done this on day one because today is the second paycheck that government workers are missing, okay? You got people facing evictions, all types of stuff like this because of this dumbass, Okay. And his friend was just indicted. The FBI went to Roger Stone's house this morning with a warrant, 6 a.m. in the morning, armed, okay, and arrested him. All right? We're going to talk about that here in just a minute as well. All right, so let's see here. Let me see if there's an update here from Washington Post. All right, so with Trump's approval, the pact would reopen shuttered government departments uh, for three weeks. While, re, while, while leaving the issue of $5.7 billion for the U.S.-Mexican border wall to further talks, okay? Uh, the official spoke on condition of anonymity to discuss private deliberations. The White House announced that Trump would speak from the Rose Garden of the White House at 1.30 p.m. So he's speaking right now. All right, I'm monitoring that. Monitoring that. I'm listening to MSNBC right now. Uh, so we're monitoring that. If he says something like important is not a lie, we'll let you know. OK, um, so the developments come as Senate leaders scrambled Friday in search of a short term deal to end the partial government shutdown as major delays at airports around the country produced a heightened sense of urgency. Because here, here's here's the thing. God forbid. Right. Uh, 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 two planes collide. Because you have a FAA, you have one of the air traffic controllers that's overworked because they're not getting paid and they took a second job. They're driving Uber, they're driving Lyft, okay? They're working as a security guard, whatever it is. And and see, the, the, when you study the regulations of the air traffic controllers, they can only work a certain number of hours within a 24-hour period of time. So if, if two planes had collided, because you had an overworked FAA agent, oh, all hell would have broken loose, okay? All right, so let's look at this. Uh, so I'm monitoring Trump. He's BSing right now, so I'm going to skip over all that stuff, right? So let's look at this uh, article here dealing with the uh, IRS. We know TSA agents have been calling off, and a lot of them have had to take side jobs, right? because they're not getting paid TSA agents. They make somewhere around $30,000, $32,000 a year. <clears throat> I reported a couple of days ago, back on the 23rd when I did the broadcast, that the IRS was recalling 46,000 workers to handle tax returns because the tax returns were, were not being processed, right? Well, we see this morning, we see... Um, Washington Post reported this morning at least 14,000 unpaid IRS workers did not show up for work as broad shutdown disruption hits tax agency, according to 
house aides, okay? Now, I can't say I blame them for not showing up, even though they would get back pay. They still, they have bills hitting right now. They got to do other things to pay these bills, and they have to have money to put gas in their car to drive to work. At least 14,000 unpaid workers in the Internal Revenue Service Division, that includes tax processing and call centers, did not show up for work this week, despite orders to do so, according to two House aides posing a challenge to the Trump administration's ability to minimize the damage from the government shutdown. The Trump administration ordered more than 30,000 employees back to work unpaid to prepare for the tax filing season, which is set to begin next week, okay? And this article just came out January 25th, Friday, January 25th, right? So when you have those tax returns delayed, that negatively impacts the economy because the economy always gets a boost, right? In February, March, because of tax returns, you see ads on TV, people advertise, uh, uh, you'll see car, um, uh, car dealerships advertising, bring in your tax return. We're going to get you into this new 2019 car, this 2018, what have you. You, you. You'll have people who pay property taxes. When we were filming the TV show today, we were filming uh, down at uh, 400 uh, Monroe Street in Greektown uh, in that office building. That's the international building. Fifth floor, that's where the Wayne County Treasury's office is, okay? Because uh, the first segment of the show, Eric Sabree, Wayne County Treasurer, who's African-American, he's interviewed by Steve Hood. It's on the Wake Up With Steve Hood show. Uh, you know, I used to do his radio show on 9, 10 a.m. Superstation. He has the TV show also. So um, we filmed my portion of the TV show this morning, all right? People take that take those tax refunds they pay off their property taxes on their homes okay they'll uh go and and buy that new iphone and things like this this helps fuel the economy right so because of this fool's government shutdown that helps to jeopardize the gross domestic product that helps to jeopardize the gdp of of the economy okay that has wide-ranging impacts a, a wide-ranging impact. So the Trump administration ordered more than thirty thousand, ordered more than thirty thousand employees back to work unpaid to prepare, to prepare uh, for tax filing season, which is said to begin next week. But of the twenty-six thousand workers called back to the IRS division, that includes the tax processing centers and call centers, about nine thousand workers could not be reached. And about 5,000 more claimed a hardship exemption. Exemption. You got 5,000 IRS workers claiming a hardship ex exemption. They don't have the money to get there. They got to work a side job to pay the bills, all types of things like this. Okay? Not, not to mention the ones who have to pay for medication, ones that may be going through some type of chemotherapy or something like this, right? IRS officials have told members of Congress, according to aides who speak on the condition of anonymity, because they uh, were not authorized to speak publicly about the numbers. Now, the numbers are as of Tuesday, according to House aides, and, and the rate of employees returning to work may have changed since then. The IRS announced on January 15, 2019, it will begin calling back workers as fears mounted about the IRS's ability to process tax returns. And um, the uh, there was an article from um, Washington Post back on January 15th 
the IRS is recalling 46,000 workers to handle tax returns, okay? So you can check that out as well. How's everybody doing? All right. Everybody, uh, share this broadcast on your Facebook page. Invite your friends to tune in, okay? Uh, this is a special uh, afternoon edition uh, here, broadcasting on our Facebook fan page, the African History Network. Uh, African-American business owners, post the name of your business here on the thread of the broadcast. And uh, email us at africanhistorynetwork.com, africanhistorynetwork.com. We'll let you know how you can advertise with the African History Network and reach thousands of uh, potential new customers. Uh, we put your 30-second and 60-second commercial into the audio podcast of our radio show, the African History Network show. And um, we're on seven different podcast platforms also. The Kwame Skate Company strives to responsibly make meaningful product for the black community that not only exemplifies our lifestyle, but enhances the ability to live it. To provide value to our customers and deliver top quality customer service while still having fun and maintaining our values. Our brand platform offers compelling product assortments, meaningful brand experiences, and convenient multi-channel accessibility that reflects our respect and knowledge of both indigenous people and skateboard lifestyle. Our community is committed to growth and development, to understanding and showing the world that Kwame and the indigenous community can do so much more. Visit their website today, KwameSCO.com. KwameSCO.com. Are you struggling with your finances or just need a second opinion? My name is Martisha Patterson, and I am here to help. Whether you have questions about credit, retirement, taxes, investments, or meeting day-to-day -day responsibilities, you deserve access to a qualified, caring, and resourceful financial professional. As a certified financial planner with over 19 years in the wealth management industry, I have a passion for helping people gain confidence and become successful with money. Taking control of your finances creates options instead of obstacles, confidence instead of uncertainty. Make no mistake, this is an important step for all of us. Will you allow your situation to control you or will you take control and make your money behave? My name is Martisha Patterson. Call or email me today to schedule an appointment. My phone number is 646-552-4384. Again, 646-552-4384 or email me at pattersonplan17 at gmail.com. Looking for technology for your home or business? No problem. From laptops to Chromebooks, Surface tablets, antivirus security software to business phone systems, JCW Computer Consulting LLC has got you covered. Be sure to use the African History Network custom link for discount and special promotions. JCWCC is a certified minority business enterprise and part of the I Buy Black Network. Visit shop.jcwcc.com or call 215-879-6701. Do you have a child with ADHD, autism, or another special need? Would you like to treat your child holistically and avoid pharmaceuticals and stimulants if possible? If so, you need to head over to OurKidsCanThrive.com, OurKidsCanThrive.com, and take the Holistic Special Kids course. Shava, a mother to four boys, ages 12, 
to five and a daughter who is almost three years old has dealt with hyperactivity, anxiety, depression, severe anger, sensory processing disorders, chronic fatigue and more. And now her children are all thriving. Chava is a holistic ADHD coach and has helped many children privately and now. She shared all of the tips, tricks, herbs, foods, and supplements she has used to treat her own children and many others. Head over to OurKidsCanThrive.com and sign up for the course now. Let's go to some of your questions, and then I'm also going to go to the story about Roger Stone. I told you all, if you've been watching any of my broadcasts, I told you Roger Stone is going to be indicted. Okay, here's, an, here's another prediction. Donald Trump Jr. will be indicted, and so will Jared Kushner. Okay, all of them are going to be indicted. They might as well just jump up, back a dump truck up to the White House and load all of them up in there. Okay, because that's what's going to happen. Uh, Ramona on Facebook said, and I'm monitoring this on, I'm using two different laptops to monitor this. Uh, Ramona said he should pay all his taxes before we pay ours. Yeah. <laughs> well, first of all, Ramona, he should show his taxes. See, let me show you, let me show you what Trump did, right? So back in 2012, Donald Trump, back in 2012, when Mitt Romney was running for president, Donald Trump was on the sidelines and he said Mitt Romney should show his taxes. He said, if I was running for president, I would show tax, my, my tax, my taxes. Right. So then when he announces he's running in 2015 and then people saying, OK, show your taxes. He says, well, I'm under audit. He says he was he, he said he's he always gets audited. Well, if you get always get audited, you were audited back in 2012 when you lied and said if you ran for president, you would show your taxes. Then he said, well, when. Uh, he said that when um, uh, the audit is over with, he would show his taxes, right? This is what he said, okay? Then he wins the presidency, and then his spokespeople like Sarah Huckabee Sanders and uh, Kellyanne Conway, two of the most lionist-ass people you ever want to meet, then they say, well, nobody cares about his taxes anymore. The American people voted for him, and he, he, and he didn't show his tax returns, so nobody cares about him. Well, wait a second. No, he said that after he won, when the audit is over, he would show his tax returns. He didn't say he would show his tax returns only if people cared to see them. That's not what he said. Now, check this out. Trump has never produced the IRS notification letter that you get when they notify you that you're going to be audited. He's never produced that one time. Because, see, he won't produce any of his tax returns because he say, I'm under audit. He won't produce tax returns from 20 years ago that are not being audited. He won't do that. He won't, he won't produce tax returns from 10 years ago. But you can produce the IRS notification letter that you get that they send you, let you know that you're going to be audited. You can do that. He hasn't even done that. Why is that? Maybe it's, maybe, maybe it's because he's not being audited. Maybe the reason why is because he's not being audited and he lied because he didn't want you, he didn't want you to see his tax returns because he doesn't want you to see who he owes. He doesn't want you to see his revenue. Maybe he's been lying about his revenue. But if he wants to prove that he's being audited, all he has to do is produce the, the, the IRS notification letter that they send you when you're going to be audited. That's all he has to do. He's never even done that before. 
Why is that? He's a con man. He's a fraud. This is what I told you back in 2016. I told you this dude, this, I mean, in business school, we study fraud. We, we had to take social ethics at Wayne State's business school, Wayne State University in Detroit. We had to take social ethics. We study fraud. This dude right here, this is the biggest comment fraud I've ever heard of. And, and if you've been in sales anytime, you hear about frauds, things like this. We, you know, Bernie Madoff, you know, the Keating Five, the, the savings and uh, the savings and loan scandal, all that stuff of the 1980s. This dude right here, this is this is this is a con on a whole nother level. All right. Sophia said, interesting. Maria said, great point. All right. Um, also, let's see here. Uh, if you like this type of information, also, you can donate to the African History Network, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show, or visit our website, africanhistorynetwork.com, africanhistorynetwork.com. If you don't have a PayPal account, click on the yellow donate button there. And then this helps us to uh, keep doing the research, stay on the air, pay the bills, et cetera. All right. How's everybody doing? We'll come to some more of your comments. I want to go to this story about Roger Stone. And then we're going to give a I'm going to give an update on what's going on with the government shutdown. Now, I'm skipping past all this grandstanding Trump is doing right now, all this BS he's telling. OK, because he what Trump likes to do is he likes to distract and he likes to make undocumented immigrants the, the target. And all this is about white supremacy and racism, because if you've been watching any of my broadcasts, right, if you look at the if you study the facts and you look at the fact check from from the Associated Press, more undocumented immigrants come through the Canadian border than come through the Mexican border. But the Trump administration is not focused on undocumented immigrants coming through the Canadian border because most of them are white. And this is all about the fear of the browning of America. And this is about white supremacy and racism. And this is about targeting. This is about targeting those undocumented immigrants that are darker. This is what this is all about. And you, and at the same time, you can't claim they're still in your jobs and you keep bragging about having 7 million unfilled jobs in the country. You can't have it both ways. This uh, October of, of 2016, Washington Post had an article and you can go to bls.gov, Bureau of Labor Statistics, right? You got about 7 million unfilled jobs right now. The number of unfilled jobs in the country keeps increasing each year. In about April of 2016, under President Obama, it was about 5.4 million unfilled jobs. It keeps growing each year, each month. Okay, it's about seven million now. You can't, on the one hand, have seven million unfilled jobs, then on the other hand, target undocumented immigrants coming through the Mexican border, coming from Guatemala, Guatemala and Honduras and Mexico, and say they're stealing your jobs. Why you keep bragging about a 3.8%, a 3.9% unemployment rate and 7 million unfilled jobs. And at the same time, you have undocumented immigrants working at your golf course in New Jersey. You can't all that. You can't have it both ways. But you don't talk about the undocumented immigrants coming through the Canadian border because most of them are white. This is a con. This is a fraud. You've been hoodwinked. You've been bamboozled. You've been led astray. Run them up. Okay. This is this is what I warned people about in 2016. Okay. Okay. So now he's he stopped lying. I mean, he stopped speaking. All right. Uh, Matthew said lying 45s worshipers now supporting a wall. Mexico gonna pay for mass insanity. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I want to post this article. I want you to read this. 
when we're done. This is a fact check from the Associated Press, okay? Because I monitor about 35 different news sources on a daily basis. I have, I have thousands of um, thousands of articles, but I want you to um, look at this because see, most undocumented immigrants don't run across the Mexican border. Okay, they come here legally and they overstay their visas. Okay, that's what happens. Trump ain't talking about that. He, he wants people to think that they're just running across the border and they're bringing drugs with them, things like this. Most of the drugs come through legal ports of entry, not people running into the country illegally. Most of them come through legal ports of entry, either through the Mexican border or the Canadian border. Okay. And they also are coming through tunnels that are dug underneath the ground connecting Mexico to the U.S. They're, and the wall don't have anything to do with the tunnels. So all this, all this is dealing with a fear that by 2043 or 2045, there will be no one, uh, uh, white people will not be the dominant uh, majority population. There will be no one majority population, okay? And there's a fear of, is that some white, not all white people, there's a fear that some white people have of this. And this is a fear of the browning of America. This is why Trump and the Trump administration, and you have Stephen Miller, who's a white supremacist, who's crafting uh, uh, Trump's immigration policies, right? This is why they want to uh, crack down, not just on un undocumented immigration, they want to crack down on legal immigration, but the legal immigration they're talking about cracking down on is non-European countries. Why is that? Okay, AP fact check, visa overstays outpaced border crossings. Visa overstays outpaced border crossings, okay? Uh, this is Associated Press. See, this is what people don't want to talk about. And if you look at a map, if you look at a map of the U.S., right, um, the Canadian border, and we're going to post this right here for you, okay? This is from the Associated Press. Read this. The Canadian border runs all across the northern United States. So I live in Detroit. I live about four minutes away from the Canadian border. Canadian border is not just here in Detroit. Look at a map, Google U.S. Canadian border and look at a map. Canadian border goes all across northern U.S. More undocumented immigrants are coming through the Canadian border, but Trump is not talking about building a wall at the Canadian border. He's not talking about drugs coming through the Canadian border. He's not talking about undocumented immigrants. He's not talking about criminals coming through the Canadian border. There were more terrorists caught them coming through the Canadian border, 41, compared to six coming through the Mexican border. So why isn't he talking about building the wall along the Canadian border? This is all about white supremacy and racism. That's what this is about. Immigrants are overstaying their visas, Cerise said. Yeah, that's what the majority, that's where the majority of the undocumented immigrants come from. Visa overstays. Okay. All right, let's continue here. How's everybody doing? Okay, so let's look at um, Mr. Roger Stone. And um, I want to pull up this article also from USA Today. Okay, so if we look at uh, Mr. Roger Stone. He was uh, awakened this morning 
by the FBI. Maybe he was already awake. Maybe he was talking to Russia. I don't know. Um, but longtime Trump advisor Roger Stone, who was also a, an advisor to Richard Nixon, and Roger Stone has a tattoo on his back of Richard Nixon. When he came out of the court today, because he he went to the, he was indicted, he went to the hearing today. He was arraigned. He came out flashing the Nixon peace sign, right? I'm not a crook. And then we find out Nixon was a crook, right? Longtime advisor Roger Stone indicted by special counsel in Russia investigation. And uh, let's refresh this, see if it was updated, because this was posted at 12.39 p.m. Okay, yeah, updated at 2.25 p.m. I thought it was, because I updated it on my other laptop. I had to refresh the screen. And also, if you just look at the... Um, Associated Press, if you look at uh, the poll that they took, six in 10 Americans may blame Trump for the shutdown, right? So this was closing in on this food. I knew any day now this is going to break. His polling numbers are tanking. You got six in 10 Americans blame Trump for the shutdown, even on the 34th, 35th day, okay? You got TSA agents calling off. You got IRS workers who are supposed to be processing tax refunds saying they can't come in. They, they, they're telling him, talk to the hand. You know, they basically, the IRS workers, 14,000 of them not showing up. They basically, they basically did the Della Reese on him. Okay, let's stop this. Okay. This is playing. All right. All right, everybody all right? Browning of America. Yep. All right, let's stop the video playing. Okay. Uh, there's a video playing from um, New York Times. So hold on, I had to stop that from playing. But uh, let me just play this uh, clip right here because let me plug in the speakers here because, uh, you know, the the IRS agents basically um, did the Della Reese to, uh, they basically did the Della Reese to Donald Trump. And uh, let's pull it up here because this, I can't find the damn, where's my? It's my cable to plug in here. Hold on. All right. I can't plug in the speakers. I can't find the cable. So let's do it this way. Let's pull it up on the other laptop. They basically did the Della Reese from Harlem Nights. All right. You remember that scene in Harlem Nights when they came out of the, uh, remember that scene in Harlem Nights when they got arrested at the club at, at Sugar's? And they came out of the club uh, once they were bailed out by the police. Kiss my entire ass. <laughs> <laughs> so that's basically what the TSA agents did to Donald Trump. They said, we ain't coming in. They said, they said no, we can't do that. 14,000 of them. <laughs> 14,000 of them, they were like, no, kiss they say, no, we ain't coming in. I'm sorry. They say, I got to, <laughs> I have to pay the bills. I got to work for Uber, work for Lyft, you know, work at my cousin's cleaners. Like Eddie Murphy said, when the, when the uh, FBI agent, when the Secret Service agent didn't jump in front of 
uh, Ronald Reagan when the assassination attempt said, he said, look, man, he said, he said, I got, he said, I'm going to go work at my cousin's cleaners. He said, I ain't going to keep doing this. All right. That's basically what happened. <laughs> they did the Della Reese. <laughs> I can't say I blame them. You know, I mean, everybody wants their tax returns, but hell, I can't say I blame them. You know, they have bills too. All right. So let's look at uh, what happened to uh, Mr. Stone this morning. Um, longtime Trump advisor Roger Stone indicted by special counsel in Russia investigation. Okay, and then we're going to go back to um, letting the information update on the uh, shutdown and what happens. And uh, Congress needs to vote on this also, basically, from my understanding. So we'll come back to that in uh, just a minute. Okay. All right, so uh, Roger Stone, a longtime friend of Donald Trump, was arrested Friday morning by the FBI in Florida on charges that he lied and tried to tamper with a witness to hide his efforts to learn about releases of Democrats' hacked emails during the 2016 presidential campaign, okay? Uh, most of these people are going to prison. And uh, I'm telling you right now, most of them are going to prison. Roger Stone may be holding out for a presidential pardon. Okay. He gets a pardon. Number one, the presidential pardon is admission of guilt, number one. Okay. Number two, I don't know if there'll be any state charges that state's attorney generals can bring him up on. I don't know. But Roger Stone was charged by special counsel Robert S. Mueller III with seven counts, seven counts, including one count of obstruction of uh, obstruction of justice uh, of an official uh, proceeding, uh, including one count of obstruction of justice of an, of an official proceeding, five counts of false statements, and one count of witness tampering, okay? Five counts of false statements, which means lying, one count of witness tampering, one count of obstruction of justice. Now, after the early morning arrest at his home, Roger Stone appeared briefly in federal court in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, wearing a blue polo shirt, jeans, and steel shackles on his wrists and ankles. The judge ordered him released on $250,000 bond. Now, he's asking for a donation. He's, he's, he's also asking for donations to pay for his legal fees, right? Now, here's what's going to happen. Um, all, all of them said, just like Michael Cohen said, I'll take a bullet for Mr. Trump. I'm not going to flip. I'm not going to testify. Right. Then when the hammer hits, what happens? They roll over. Same thing that happened. Roger Stone. They talk. They See, they talk all big and bad. Right. Before the hammer hits, before they realize how much time they're looking at. And then when he came out of the courthouse today. I was watching it live on MSNBC. He came out of the courthouse today, and one of the uh, NBC, MSNBC uh, reporters asked him about the charges, and Roger Stone said he had not had a chance to read the indictment. He had not had a chance to read it. Let him wait till he reads it. So in charging Roger Stone, Robert Mueller has struck deep inside Trump's inner circle charging a friend of the president in the ongoing investigation of Russian interference 
in the 2016 election. The indictment charges Roger Stone uh, sought to gather information about hacked Democratic emails at the direction of an unidentified senior Trump campaign official. Okay, and this this is crucial. The indictment said that Roger Stone was directed by an unidentified senior Trump campaign official and then engaged in extensive efforts to keep secret the details of those efforts. So it's a 24-page indictment, and it goes further than Robert S. Mueller ever has toward answering the core question of his probe. Did Donald Trump or those close to him conspire with the Kremlin, conspire with Russia? The indictment notes that prior to Roger Stone's alleged actions in the summer of 2016, the Democratic National Committee already announced it had been hacked by Russian government operatives. That's true, implying Roger Stone must have known that, okay? And if you read, there were four uh, cybersecurity companies that the Democratic National Committee hired to investigate the hacking to find out who was behind it. The first one was CrowdStrike. And another one, it may have been the second one, another one was called Fidelis. Go Google the CrowdStrike report and the Fidelis report, because I read both of them. I read those back in 2016 before the election. And they identified two groups of Russian hackers tied to Russian intelligence that hacked the Democratic National Committee. This is before like all the other information came out. I read that back in 2016 before the election because I, I would see um, Malcolm Nance, counter-terrorist uh, expert for like 35 years, now 35 years. And he wrote a book, The Plot to Hack America. Okay. And he knows more about this than most people. And I would hear him talk about the CrowdStrike report and the Fidelis, Fidelis report, but especially the CrowdStrike report. So I, Googled, I, I I looked it up and I read it. I'm like, damn. So after appearing, okay, so the 24-page indictment goes further than Mueller ever has toward answering the core question of uh, did Trump or those close to him conspire with the Kremlin, okay? And then also uh, the indictment notes that prior to Stone's alleged actions in the summer of 2016, the DNC already announced it had been hacked by Russian government operatives, implying Stone must have known that. But the document also suggests that Roger Stone's mission was to find out what WikiLeaks planned to do as far as releasing the stolen material, something that on its own would not necessarily constitute a crime. After appearing in court, Roger Stone stepped onto the courthouse steps, striking, striking the famous pose of his personal hero, former President Richard Nixon, by raising his arms and making the V, like Nixon. Keep in mind, he has a tattoo of Nixon on his back. I mean, I heard of a tattoo of Tupac on your back, you know, but Richard Nixon? That's, uh, all right. So he said he, he would not plead guilty to these charges. I would defeat them in court. Now, 
uh, there was a crowd of about 300 reporters, supporters, and detractors. And some of the people in the, and if you watch the video of this, you go to NBCNews.com, MSNBC, ABCNews.go.com, CBS News. You watch the video, right? You got some people there yelling, lock him up, lock him up. I'm with them. Lock his ass up. I'm with them. Come on, lock all, all, all those criminals need to be locked up, all right? And there were some supporters of him there as well. I don't know why they're supporting him. He said, quote, there's no circumstances whatsoever under which I will bear false witness against the president, nor will I make up lies to ease the pressure on myself. I look forward to being fully and completely vindicated. I will not testify against the president because I would have to bear false witness, end quote. What if you just tell the truth? See, he didn't say, say, I'm just going to tell the truth about what happened. Notice that. Because I, I watched it. He didn't say, I'm just going to tell the truth about what happened. That's not, no. He, he said, I'm not going to bear false witness. Well, ain't no, nobody asking you to bear false witness. They just want you to tell the truth. So inside the courthouse, Roger Stone told the Washington Post he and the president, quote, never discussed any of these matters, end quote. He insisted he played no intermediary role between the campaign and the anti and the anti-secrecy group WikiLeaks, which published the hacked emails and denied that any campaign official asked him to reach out to the group, as Robert Mueller has alleged. Prosecutors, he said, quote, obviously think I'm the OG, but I'm not. Original gangster, yeah, okay. And Stone, <laughs> this is this is what he said. They, they, they obviously think I'm the OG, but I'm not. Okay, well, that's the way you talk. You act like you you act like you the man. Now, with Roger Stone's indictment, Robert S. Mueller III has struck deep inside Donald Trump's inner circle, charging a long time a longstanding friend of Trump in the special counsel's ongoing investigation of Russian interference in the 2016 election. The court filing charges, the court filing charges Roger Stone sought to gather information about hacked emails at the direction of an unidentified senior Trump campaign official and then engaged in extensive efforts to keep secret the details of the efforts, all right? Now, Trump tweeted, greatest witch hunt in the history of our country. He didn't say Trump, he didn't say Mueller is finding witches. He didn't say that. But he said, greatest witch hunt in the history of our country. No collusion, border coyotes, drug dealers, and human traffickers are treated better. Okay, end quote, he said. Uh, Trump also suggested someone may have may have tipped off CNN to record video of the early morning arrest, though they though there were growing signs Thursday at the grand jury in Washington that Roger Stone could be charged soon, okay? Um, the indictment centers on Stone's efforts to find out when potentially damaging emails internal to Hillary Clinton's campaign would be released by Julian Assange, WikiLeaks leader. U.S. officials say Russian intelligence agents hacked Democrats and their email accounts and then shared them with WikiLeaks, which publicized them during the election's final months. <clears throat> now, what a lot of people don't talk about 
and we found this out in January of 2017, is that the Russians also hacked the Republican National Convention. They they hacked um, the RNC's email addresses, the uh, email accounts, but they hacked uh, old email uh, uh, old email domains that weren't being used anymore. Okay, this is what happened. So February two thousand seventeen, about around February tenth two thousand seventeen. Then FBI Director James Comey testified in front of Congress. Uh, CNN has an article, FBI's Comey, Republicans also hacked by Russia. So, so this is something that a lot of people don't know. I've been following this since, since the story broke in uh, 2015, okay? Okay. Uh, so these were old email domains that weren't being used, but the but there were still emails in the account. Thoughtful about what I say in an open setting, but there was evidence that, that there was hacking directed at state level organizations, uh, state level campaigns, and the RNC, but old domains of the RNC, that is email domains that they were no longer using, and the information was harvested from there, but it was old stuff. None of that was released. Uh, we did not develop any evidence that the Trump campaign or the current RNC was successfully hacked. Does the ICC's conclusion that the Russians sought to assist President-elect Trump's campaign depend upon an assessment then that the Russians covertly collected information and from primarily Democratic sources, but some Republican sources as well, but only chose to release the uh, derogatory information from Democratic sources. That's correct. So now that was Senator Susan Collins. Then FBI Director James Comey, hopefully you all can hear that. Let me know if you can hear it. Then FBI Director James Comey testified in front of the U.S. Senate. This was January 2017 that Russian hackers also hacked, successfully hacked old email accounts from the RNC and took information from that as well. They released information by from the emails from the democrats didn't release information from the emails from the republicans that's a that's a tactic because you show the republicans if you don't do what we say this is what's going to happen to you we'll release these emails you use that as leverage ready to start getting healthy well i'm here to let you know that all natural honey is a great way to start at Crazy Boy Honey, we offer all-natural honey for the lowest prices. Our honey has no additives or preservatives. Go to crazyboyhoney.com. That's crazyboyhoney.com and see what we have to offer. And remember, shipping is free. Stay on cold. Somebody say, see, man.
in a righteous kid. We all living in a world so cold. Black people just to make it better stay on cold. These kids need the tools to win. So we put it on the book to share with all our friends. I don't believe it's no coincidence that we were born so brave at a time like this. So pack your bag, let's get ready to go. To the land of justice, ain't coming back no more. See, man. And the right choice kids. Get yours today at ZMadKids.com. This episode, Obey Your Parents. Yo, what's going on, everybody? It's your man, Mr. X. Get your hand out of my pocket. Letting you know to catch our brand new podcast on SoundCloud.com slash G-Y-H-O-M-P. Go to YouTube page right now. Subscribe right now. Listen right now. We on Twitter and we on Facebook and we on Instagram. We got the information. We're combining consciousness with activism. Don't be on the couch yakking at yak. Get out and do some real work. So check us out and get your hand on my pocket, YouTube. I hope to see you there because it's brand new, it's fast acting, and we on the ground. Trust. Yo, I only got one thing to say to you. Get your hand out of my pocket! There's a war going on, and don't get scared now. Peace. If there was incriminating information in those emails, just because they're old domain email addresses that are not being used does not mean there's not incriminating information. I think you probably had some, which would explain why you have some of these Republicans who are bending over backwards to try to protect Trump. Because that Russia could very well have leverage on them as well based upon what's in those emails. This is something that's not being talked about, okay? Can you all, uh, were you all able to hear that on Facebook? LaVita said he mentioned Marcus Garvey's name. Well, that was months ago. So he was asked, Roger Stone was asked at the press conference after he was indicted if he was seeking a presidential pardon. He said the only person he has sought a presidential pardon for was Marcus Garvey. Go check my YouTube channel. I did a I did a broadcast months ago when that story came out about uh, Roger Stone um, saying that he would uh, he may ask Donald Trump for a presidential pardon for Marcus Garvey. Marcus Garvey hasn't been pardoned yet, so obviously that didn't happen. All right. Okay. Okay, so you can hear it. Okay, Sherilyn said you can hear it. Okay, good. All right. But isn't that very interesting? How many people knew that the Russians also hacked the RNC old email old email addresses, old email accounts from the Republican National Committee? But those emails had not been released. How many people knew that? Okay, so Let's uh, silence this once again. All right. So according to the indictment, the 24-page indictment, 
And let's uh, we'll go back to the uh, story of the shutdown. I'm waiting for it. I need to uh, refresh the screen here for them to update it. Okay, <clears throat> we'll come back to that because uh, I'm monitoring a bunch of stories here for you all. How's everybody doing? All right. Then also visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. All of my DVD lectures are there. We have a weekend sale. We have the eight digital download, the Black Panther eight digital download bundle pack. You get three of my lectures done with the film Black Panther and five other presentations. It's on sale $30, regularly $80. And uh, also we have the online courses I teach, a 10-course online bundle pack uh, on sale $40, regularly $130. And it includes understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. It was a 14-hour, seven-session online course also. All right. All right. So let's continue here. Uh, let's go back to Roger Stone. So in the 24-page indictment, it says, after the July 22nd, 2016 release, okay, after the July 22nd, 2016 release, of stolen DNC emails, a senior Trump campaign official was directed to contact Roger Stone about any additional releases, releases, and what other damaging information Organization One had regarding the Clinton campaign. So it's believed Organization One is referring to WikiLeaks. Roger Stone thereafter told the Trump campaign also. I'm sorry, Roger Stone thereafter told the Trump campaign about potential future releases of damaging material by Organization One, end quote, the indictment states. Now, people familiar with the case said Organization One is WikiLeaks. The indictment does not identify the senior Trump campaign official, nor does it say who directed the senior campaign official to contact Roger Stone. The indictment also does not accuse Roger Stone of conspiring with Julian Assange or Russian officials, okay? After the election, according to the document, Roger Stone tried to cover up what he had, been, what he had done by lying about it to Congress and attempting to persuade another witness identified only as person two to refuse to talk to the House Intelligence Committee People close to the case said person two is New York comedian Randy Credical. Randy Credical. Okay. So check out this also because this is deep. And, um, you know, there have been a number of people uh, who have been uh, indicted. Okay. And New York Times has a chart. I mean, they have a, they have a chart of all this because it's hard to keep it. Uh, it's hard to keep it straight. Okay, so I'll post I'll post that chart. I'll give you some of those names. I want to go to the breaking story of the um, and let me check my email for breaking news alerts also. So when I used to do uh, midday radio, ten a.m. to one p.m., you know that's a busy time because you're you're during you're during the news cycle. You have breaking stories, <clears throat> so I would have to check my phone for uh, emails for breaking stories. Uh, I used to do the nasty syndicate. I used to do the Michael M. Hotep show, which, which was a nasty syndicated radio on the Empowerment Radio Network, uh, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. And I used to 
um, guest host. So when that show got moved to the evening, I would guest host the uh, Roland the Roland Martin uh, radio show also, which was 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. All right. So I've done uh, radio in all different uh, time slots. Okay, so Congress, Congress to vote to fund government for three weeks. Yeah. So even though Trump came out and made this announcement, right? Um, and funds affected, let's see. So deal to reopen government funds affected departments, uh, funds affected departments, agencies through February 15th. No money for the border wall. Bipartisan committee will negotiate Homeland Security funding bill. If no deal, government shut down. Uh, if, if no deal, government could shut down again. Okay, so if you look at this article here from um, Washington Post that was updated, Trump announces deal for government to reopen for three weeks, ending longest shutdown, no money for his border, border wall. He caved in, all right? Now, they need, to, they need to start processing checks for people like Saturday, okay? They need to start processing checks for people for Saturday. And they need to they need to include an extra 10% for people to pay for late fees and overdraft fees and all this other stuff, okay, that this fool calls. So Donald Trump on Friday announced a deal with congressional leaders to temporarily reopen the government while talks continue on his demand for border wall funding, handing Democrats a major victory in the protracted standoff, okay? If he runs again in 2020, he's going to lose because people are going to remember this right here. I guarantee you that. They're going to remember the pain that this fool inflicted on them because he lied and said Mexico was going to pay for a wall and he was too much of a coward to stand up to Rush Limbaugh and Laura Ingram and Ann Coulter who bullied him and said, if you don't get the border wall money now, you're not going to get it and your presidency is going to be over. So the pact announced by Trump from the Rose Garden at the White House would reopen shuttered government departments for three weeks while leaving the issue of $5.7 billion for a U.S.-Mexico border wall to further talks. So Trump announced, I'm oh, sorry, um, yeah, Trump said that a congressional conference committee would, would, uh, would spend the next three weeks working in a bipartisan fashion to come up with a border security package. If a fair deal does not emerge by February 15th, Trump said there could be another government shutdown or he could declare a national emergency and a move that could allow him to direct the military to build the wall without congressional consent. Such an action would likely face an immediate legal challenge. It's going to face multiple legal challenges. Why? Because to build this fake-ass wall that he's been lying about, they're going to have to take people's homes through eminent domain. They're going to have to take people's land, take people's farms through eminent domain. And those people will file lawsuits, and those lawsuits will go on for years. Washington Post had an article that talked about this, okay? Um, and they talked about how some lawsuits 
uh, involving eminent domain have gone on have gone on for years. I'm, I'm going to try to pull up this article for you because people don't understand this. This is more than just a chant. Build the wall. Build the wall. This is more than just a chant. Okay. Um, let me see. What was that under? Uh, is that one? Let me see here. I'll try to find an article for you. There's one from the Washington Post, I think, or what's the New York Times. Okay, but I'll find it for you and, um, I'll find it for you. I may have to post it after the broadcast. But that is something that all the Trumpsters don't want to talk about. They're going to have to take a lot of white people's homes through eminent domain and their farms and all this stuff, their land. Those lawsuits. So you can't, on the one hand, claim that this is an emergency at the border. And you need to hurry up and get the money to build this wall. First of all, it's going to take two or three years to build the wall. And that's just a 500-mile wall. That's not a 2,000-mile wall. Okay? Number two, number two is going to be delayed because of the lawsuits. Let's see if I can find this. I have to I have to find an article later. I had it bookmarked, and um, I don't know where it is. But yeah, that's an aspect of the border wall that's not talked about. Um, I don't think this, is this the article. How the border wall is boxing Trump in. I wonder if that's the article. Because that's a really good one also. That's from the New York Times. I read the New York Times and Washington Post every day along with a bunch of other news sources. Uh, is this it? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to post this one for you also so you have this because this is a really good article as well. <clears throat> how the border crisis is... Uh, how, the border, how the border wall is boxing Trump in. Oh, this one, this article here deals with how going back to 2014, the border wall and build the wall, that was a mnemonic device created by some of Donald Trump's uh, campaign advisors like Sam Nunberg and Roger Stone. And that was designed to get him to remember to talk about uh, illegal immigration, undocumented immigrants. It wasn't supposed to be a physical wall. That's what that article reveals. The, the, the whole build the wall thing was not supposed to be a physical wall. It was a mnemonic device, a memory technique to get him to remember to talk about undocumented immigrants because he doesn't like to read. He doesn't like to read from a teleprompter. Doesn't like to read, period. Okay. That's what that, that's what that article is about. 
Okay, so let's continue here. Uh, all right. Okay, so if a fair deal does not emerge by February 15th, Trump said there could be another government shutdown or he could declare a national emergency a move that could not that a move that could allow him to direct the military to build the wall without congressional consent such an action would likely face an immediate legal challenge trump uh, at the uh rose garden press conference today said quote no border security plan can never work without a physical barrier it just doesn't happen okay Trump said in his remarks, which is which he dwelled on his arguments for making good on his marquee campaign promise of a wall at the Mexican border. So since the December 22nd start of this partial government shutdown, Trump had insisted that Democrats must relent to his demand for wall funding before he would allow the government to reopen. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi had insisted on no negotiations until the shutdown ended. Trump said he was asking Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell to put legislation on the floor immediately to implement the deal. In his remarks, Trump called federal workers incredible patriots. As the shutdown stretched into the 35th, his 35th day on Friday, about 800,000 government workers missed a second paycheck. Today was the second paycheck that they missed. Trump's announcement came as a ma as major delays at airports around the country produced a heightened sense of urgency, okay, as we talked about. The impetus to reach a solution had clearly increased among lawmakers of both parties in recent days as the mush mushrooming effects of the shutdown had become more apparent. apparent. This included reports Friday of significant delays at key airports in the Northeast because of absences of unpaid air traffic controllers that could multiply across the country at, at other airports. Federal officials temporarily restricted flights into and out of New York's LaGuardia Airport while travelers were grounded for extended periods of time in other cities, including Newark, New Jersey, and Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. The shutdown was also creating a strain on the IRS. At, at least 14,000 unpaid workers in the IRS division that includes tax processing and call centers did not show up for work this week, despite orders to do so according to two house aides. So we talked about that, okay? So we'll post this article here as well, Washington Post, Trump announces deal for government to reopen three weeks, to reopen for three weeks, ending longest shutdown, no money for his border wall. Okay. So this is what's taking place. This is an example how elections have consequences, people. How you doing, Maria? Let's see who we have here. We have Maria, we have Eugene. How are you all doing today? Share this broadcast on your Facebook page. Invite your friends to tune in. Those in the Detroit area, I'll be speaking at Nandy's Knowledge Cafe, 71 Oakman Avenue in Highland Park, Michigan, each Saturday in uh, February. 
2 p.m. to 6 p.m. every Saturday in February, starting February 2nd. I'll be doing lectures there, free and open to the public, donations accepted. The first, that first Saturday, February 2nd, um, a presentation will deal with the history of Black Wall Street in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and a history of us engaging in cooperative economics. We have a long, rich history of entrepreneurship. We have a long, rich history of engaging in cooperative economics also. And these were principles we brought with us from Africa. Okay? So... Uh, we'll, we'll have more information about that. We'll have it at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Let me go to some more of your comments here. And then um, also, uh, you can uh, order the, uh, my DVD lectures. We have them in bundle packs at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. We have uh, uh, the online courses as well. We have the uh, digital downloads. We have the eight digital download bundle pack. The uh, Black Panther 8 Digital Download Bundle Pack as well. We'll post that information here also. All right, so let's, uh, Maria, okay, Maria said, right. Gregory said, Mike, do you think all of this will spur a relook at the Electoral College? It can spur a relook at the Electoral College, but first of all, we have to understand the process of amending the U.S. Constitution. You have to vote. So you can look at the Electoral College all you want, but to amend the U.S. Constitution, a bill has to pass, a bill has to be written, it has to gain a sponsor, has to come out of committee. Bills usually start in the House of Representatives, although they can start in the U.S. Senate. It has to pass the U.S. House of Representatives and the U.S. Senate by a two-thirds majority vote. Then it has to be ratified by three-quarters of the state legislatures. The state legislatures have to vote on it as well. It has to pass three-quarters of the state legislatures by two-thirds majority vote also. That's the process of amending the U.S. Constitution. So people so people talked about the Electoral College, and most, Af and most of us don't understand the Electoral College. We think the popular vote doesn't count. That's not true. The popular vote does count. The popular vote counts per state, not the overall popular vote. Most African Americans still don't understand that. You have to go and, and, and look at the, the presentation I did dealing with the history of the Electoral College and also the history of the Three-Fifths Compromise of 1787, Article 1, Section 2, Clause 3 of the U.S. Constitution. Pro contrary to proper belief, the U.S. Constitution did, did not say that we were three-fifths of a human being. That's a total, totally, that's a total misunderstanding of the U.S. Constitution and what it said. Furthermore, the way the count was taken was corrected by Section 2 of the 14th Amendment of 1868. That was corrected like 100, uh, 151 years ago, the way the count was taken. So we have a total misunderstanding of this. And this is why, this is one of the reasons why some African-Americans don't vote, because we don't understand politics. We don't understand that politics is the legal distribution of scarce wealth, power, and resources, and the writing of laws, statutes, ordinances, amendments, and treaties, their adoption, interpretation, and enforcement. And Republicans fear the African-American vote. Then many of us value our vote because we don't understand the importance of it okay so this and we don't we don't understand how politics impacts every aspect of our life all right we have c mac we have gregory osborne uh yeah it's a lengthy process yeah it is a lengthy process to amend the u.s constitution that's why there have only been 27 amendments since 1787 it is a lengthy process it's not an impossible process 
You have to have the correct people in the House of Representatives. You have to vote for the correct people to be in the House of Representatives and the U.S. Senate and in your state legislature. We don't understand this, okay? So like right now, so what's interesting is on Dr. King Day, January 21st, Senator Kamala Harris of California announced she's running for president. And you got all these African-Americans bashing her. Where's your black agenda? You ain't asking none of these other people for their black agenda. You ain't asked uh, Senator Elizabeth Warren for her black agenda. She was the first one to announce. Some have announced an exploratory committee, which is usually, a, that's a sign, one, they want to run for president. Two, is usually a sign they're going to run for president if they can get, if they find there's enough support. Now, the same people that ask Kamala Harris and, and criticize her for not having a black agenda or ask her where's her black agenda, how many of y'all asked Senator Elizabeth Warren for her black agenda? Senator Elizabeth Warren spoke uh, at the uh, NAACP uh, Freedom, uh, Freedom Fund dinner here in Detroit. See the, see, the, see the same standard, the standard that we trying to hold Senator Kamala Harris to, you ain't trying to hold nobody else to that standard. The, all the other people who announced, Kirsten Gillibrand, all, all the other people who announced, they ain't, they ain't, they're not criticizing them about where's your black agenda all that. They ain't doing that. And what I try to explain to people is that a black agenda is not something you wait for a candidate to present to you. A black agenda is what we present to the candidate. But see, that takes work. People too damn lazy. They don't want to do that. They just want to attack people and criticize. And that's how you got, that's one of the reasons you got Trump. Because now love African-Americans voted for Trump because we still don't realize that we had to vote the we had the votes to stop Trump. And some of us still don't understand what happened in the 2016 election cycle. You have to go watch <clears throat> some other videos where I break this down. Because I, I do one the um, and it's here on Facebook. I did it back in 2017. I did a lecture here in Detroit. We have them on I have them on DVD, but I did a. a uh, a shorter one here in Detroit, African-American resistance in the era of Donald Trump, voter suppression, reparations, and high elections have consequences. And I deal with how there was 16.4 million African-Americans registered to vote in the 2016 election. Only 59.6% voted. That was a seven percentage point drop from 2012 when President Obama was, was on the ballot. If, if African-Americans voted at the same percentage in 2016, that we voted in 2012, Trump would not be president right now. Period. He would not be president right now. He won Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania by only 78,000 votes. 16.4 million African Americans registered to vote. Only 59.6% voted. That's something like about 9.5 million. But we kept listening to people telling us our vote didn't count. We're only 13, 14% of the population. Your vote doesn't matter. Now, where are those Negroes now? We still haven't figured it out. We have more power than these people who keep telling us we don't have power. We have more power, but see the goal, so what happens is these people who tell you don't vote and these people who wanna tell you your vote doesn't matter, they wanna keep telling you that so they maintain their position. They maintain their following. 
Because if you realize that they're lying to you, you stop listening to them. So for them to maintain their platform, they have to lie to you and hope you can't figure this out. All right, let's see. L Diesel said, because we've been taught to support our oppressors. Um, well, when you vote, we should be voting based upon our interests, not to support a candidate. We have it backwards. It's not about the candidate, it's about us, it's about our issues. And that's why we have to that's why we have to study the policies and see whose 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 policies are going to best impact us, whose policies best line up with our issues. Now, if you don't have an agenda, you don't understand the issues, then you just vote based upon name recognition. And we must engage in political self-defense. This is why we have to understand what was accomplished the previous election cycle, what policies were put in place that we need to protect. Because we don't, most African-Americans vote transactionally. We vote from election to election, but we don't understand the concept of protecting our gains and understanding when a, understanding when a candidate threatens the gains that were made. And we, we have to understand the need to protect those gains and still and, and at the same time, finding a candidate who's going to create an environment for us to push our agenda the farthest and get the most accomplished. But if you don't have an agenda and you haven't analyzed what happened in the last two or four years, then either you stay at home or you vote based upon name recognition. We don't we don't understand the concept of political self-defense. But you have to do research to understand this. If you've seen some of my previous broadcasts, I talk about political self-defense. This is why we must understand the law better than they understand the law. We must understand how to disarm them of, the, of that weapon and use it against them. This is why we must study the U.S. Constitution, because all this is based upon law. The, the U.S. Supreme Court, highest court in the land, they determine whether something is legal based upon the U.S. Constitution. So if, they're, if the law was created, if they're using the law to trap us, if they're using the law against us, shouldn't we know the law better than they understand the law? Shouldn't we know where all the pitfalls are and the booby traps? But that takes research to do that. A lot of people are just lazy. They don't want to read. They don't want to do research. They just want to do YouTube videos and put out a bunch of BS. So this book right here, you don't have to get this when you get one like it, okay? The Declaration of Independence and Other Great Documents of American History, okay? 1775 to 1865, 1775 to 1865. This has, uh, among other things, it has the U.S. Constitution in it. So I carry this with me everywhere I go, all right? Now, you can read the U.S. Constitution um, at uh, loc.gov, when I got it, I got this back in, uh, I don't remember which year. I've had this probably 10 years, something like that. This came out in the year 2000. So this was $2 when I got it, okay? So it's not expensive at all. You probably get to Amazon, check your local African-American bookstore, okay? But if you go to loc.gov, loc.gov, is the Library of Congress website. You can read the U.S. Constitution there also, or you can just Google U.S. Constitution. But we have to understand law. Two very, very important things you must understand, history and, and, and law. History and law 
impact politics. If you understand history and law, you can better understand politics. So I, I, I study all of that. Okay. I don't just I don't just study history. I understand I study law. I study politics. Politics is the legal is the legal distribution of scarce wealth, power, and resources. Politics is the writing of laws, statutes, ordinances, amendments, and treaties, their adoption, interpretation, and enforcement. The Constitution is subject to interpretation by the justices on the bench. That's true. That's why that's why we need to engage, that's why we need to elect the correct presidents because the president nominates Supreme Court justices. That's why we need to vote for the correct people in the U.S. Senate because the U.S. Senate, that's where the Supreme Court justice hearings are held and it's members of the U.S. Senate that vote for the Supreme Court justices to be on the Supreme Court. So once again, that goes back to voting. Black people don't read. We look at pictures, sad but somewhat true. We need to engage in reading more. There's a reason why they didn't want slaves to read. There's a reason why they didn't want slaves to read on the plantation. And one of the things, when you study the history of slavery in this country, one of the things that enslaved Africans on the plantation did who learned how to read and write, many of them wrote their own freedom papers and ran away. Why? Because most white people were illiterate and couldn't read. So a lot of the, a lot of the slave patrollers that you would run into who patrolled the road, roads for runaway slaves, most of them were illiterate. So you give them any piece of paper and tell them these are your freedom papers. So one, one of the things that enslaved Africans did when they learned to read and write is they wrote their own freedom papers and ran away. We, re, we rebelled in many ways. It wasn't just uprisings like the Nat Turner Rebellion uh, 18, uh, uh, 1821 or 1831. Uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't just the Nat Turner Rebellion. We, we rebelled in many ways. And if you watch uh, the original roots, um, <clears throat> when Kizzy was taken away, when Kizzy was sold off from the plantation, sold away from her parents, Kunta Kente and Bale, why was she, why was she sold away? She was sold away because there was a a, a teenage male, I think it was a teenager, or early twenties, uh, enslaved African on the plantation. He was played by Lauren, uh, Lawrence Hilton Jacobs. And he ran away from the plantation. It was Kizzy who wrote a travel pass for him because Kizzy was literate. So when, when uh, and the slave owner sent a slave catcher out after him, he brought him back and he had that travel pass on him. And, and that's why Kizzy was sold from the plantation. Okay. So, so we have to, so we have to understand, uh, we have to understand that history. All right? it, it, there, were, there were multiple reasons why they didn't want these to uh, learn to read and write on the plantation. All right. <clears throat> yes, 1831 and that Turner Rebellion. Okay, so let's continue. Let's go to some more of your questions. Then I have to get out of here. I have to get back to work. Chris, okay, that's good to know, bro. Declaration of Independence and other great documents of American history. Renee said, 
1875 to 1865. Yeah, this is put out by Dover, by Dover Books. So it's, I mean, when I got this $2, maybe $4 now, it's pretty inexpensive. <clears throat> um, L. Diesel said, kick the facts, bro. Uh, Scalia did, uh, Angie said, Scalia did this quite often, which led to his very conservative leanings. Yeah, this is an example of how elections have consequences. This is what I try to explain to people. Most people who don't vote don't understand the impact that politics has. Okay? All you have to do is just go look at the policies that Trump has reversed from President Obama. There have been over 100 of them. You can see how elections have consequences. If, you, if this government shut down, if this is not an example of how elections have consequences to you, I don't know what is. This is all because of one stupid-ass man who should not even be president right now. Okay? So this is an example. <laughs> elections, have, elections have consequences. And go back and look at the broadcast I did January 23rd, which dealt with um, how this is negatively impacting African-American-owned businesses also, the government shutdown. Okay? All right, so African-American-owned businesses, hey, post the name of your business here on the thread of the broadcast. Email us at customerservice at africanhistorynetwork.com, customerservice at africanhistorynetwork.com. We'll let you know how you can advertise with the African History Network. We can get you up and running the day. Okay, special promotion first uh, uh, first month is 50% off also. All right. And uh, we're on seven different podcast platforms. We're on Stitcher because we're back on Stitcher. Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, CastBox, FM Player. We take your 30-second and 60-second commercial that you record or we will record one for you. Um, and uh, we put it into the audio podcast of our shows, of our broadcasts. Each episode, we get thousands of uh, listeners across the country, and there's a great way for you to reach uh, new potential customers as well, okay? Then also, we have our online uh, courses that I teach. They're all on demand. We have a 10-course online bundle pack, which includes ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. That's a 14-hour, seven-session online course that I teach. It's uh, on sale uh, right now, $40, regularly $130, okay? We have a weekend sale on that, so uh, take advantage take advantage of that. And that's all at, uh, also, we posted a link here, but it's also at our website, africanhistorynetwork.com, africanhistorynetwork.com. And if you like this type of information, we definitely need your support. You can donate to the African History Network, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show. So if you want to donate $10, $15, $50, 100 whatever it is, you can also set up for recurring donations. Um, and if you don't have a PayPal account, go to AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, click on the yellow donation, click on the yellow donate button, and you can uh, donate with debit card or credit card. But this helps us to keep broadcasting our Sunday night radio show, the African History Network show, Keep doing the broadcast throughout the week. Pay the bills. Stay on the air. Keep doing the research. All of that, okay? So we'll be on Sunday night, 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, the African History Network show on 9, 10 a.m. The Superstation, uh, WFDF, and we broadcast here on Facebook Live. Uh, you can listen to our audio podcast at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, or whatever you get, or wherever you get your podcast from. Search for the African History Network show the African History Network show, okay? And um, remember at the African History Network, uh, okay, hold on. Chris said, uh, my question from earlier, I wonder if a black agenda would ever be part of a presidential 
candidate's agenda. It doesn't have to be called a black agenda. It can be called an urban platform. It can be called an urban agenda. Now, this is this is the 125-page agenda <clears throat> that the Congressional Black Caucus put together called We Have a Lot to Lose. Mine is a little beat up. I need to get it printed up again. We have a lot to lose. We have a lot to lose. Solutions to advance black families in the 21st century, okay? Now, Kamala Harris should at least have this, maybe as a starter. may not be complete. Maybe other things added to it. But this is what the CBC put together and presented to Donald Trump, okay? And I know she just announced it. I don't even know she even has a website up. Hell, I don't know. But um, once again, the black agenda is what we present to the candidate. But when they have it on their website, it doesn't have to be called a black agenda. It can just be called an urban platform, what have you, okay? Because the blacker it looks, the more it's going to be challenged. The, and my thing is, you need to take, if you, if you really want to get something accomplished, take black off of it and just push the issues, okay? Because, because the main thing is, the, the main thing is to get something accomplished. Not to, not to call it whatever, not, not to have it name something is to get the policies actually in place. For instance, right now, in the Department of Education, the student loan forgiveness that President Obama implemented for um, people who were victims of predatory colleges, right? Betsy DeVos was sued by about 17, 18 different attorney generals because she was delaying that student loan forgiveness to take place is an application process you have to go through things like this that that program right there benefits african-american women disproportionately why because african-american women carry more student loan debt than anybody else in the country on average thirty thousand dollars when they leave college so that student loan forgiveness benefits african-american women more than anybody else but the policy doesn't say black or african-american but it's a policy that exists. See, this is what people don't understand, right? The, 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 the agenda that the president presents or candidate presents, it doesn't have to say black. Now, when you present it to them, it may say black, but when it becomes part of that platform, it doesn't have to say black. Be quite honest, it's better if it doesn't. If you understand if you understand how, if you, especially for a president, it may say urban agenda. It may say inner city this. It may what, what have you. But if you're trying to get elected, it's probably better if it doesn't say black agenda. But you need to be, but you need to look at those policies and see how they impact you. Because if it says black this, black that, it's going to be challenged even more and it's going to be harder for them to get elected. So a lot of times we don't understand strategy. So you can download this from cbc.house.gov because most of our people never heard of it, never read it before. cbc.house.gov, which is the official website of the Congressional Black Caucus. Each member of the Congressional Black Caucus has a page there. You can look at their initiatives, the committees they sit on, things like this. They have their contact information also. We have a lot to lose, solutions to advance black families in the 21st century. Because what's so important, what's so important about this, and a lot of people like to talk about 
Paranomics by Dr. Claude Anderson, but they never read the book. I just interviewed Dr. Claude Anderson on my show back on January 13th. We had an interview. We have it here on our Facebook page and on YouTube. Okay. But don't give an elected official this book and say, here, this is our agenda. You have to crack and, and you have to put something together. You have to craft something. And in different cities, there are going to be different agendas that are promoted. Out of 20 things, 15, 10 or 15 may be the same, but there could be specific things that we're dealing with in Detroit that are different than Chicago. So we so we don't understand strategy oftentimes, right? But the most important thing we have to understand is a black agenda is not what the candidate gives to us. That's what we present to the candidate. But we're not operating based upon self-determination. A lot of times we're just operating based upon self-hatred, not self-determination. Because when we were operating based upon self-determination, we would realize we have to present an agenda. And the people would be and the people would be talking more about what's in the African American agenda that we present to all of the candidates as opposed to talking about the candidates. That's the problem. The, the, the majority of the conversation should not be on the candidates about the candidates. It should be about the African-American agenda that we are presenting to all of the candidates. And that conversation is not happening because the people who are talking don't understand politics. All right. What's the strategy to let black people know the benefits they possibly have? What are, what are you talking about, Anthony? I'm listening, I'm hearing you. Where can I read that book from? Yeah, cbc.house.gov. You can download it for free. For free. cbc.house.gov. Now, this is this is what they presented to Donald Trump January, or no, March of 2017, almost two years ago. Who was there at the White House covering the meeting of the CBC executive leadership with the Trump administration? Roland Martin. He, they covered that on News One Now with Roland Martin. We talked about it on our, on our radio show, the African History Network show. But Roland was there. CBC.house.gov. All right, let me try to get some of your comments here. Lock up the fake judges and attorneys who protect greedy politicians. Sarice said, okay. Now, a lot of these judges, you know, well, here's the other thing federal judges. Who nominates federal judges? The president. Who votes for the federal judges and confirms their nomination? Who has the hearings? U.S. Senate, which uh, once again is, is important why we have to vote for president and vote strategically for president and vote for the U.S. Senate as well, U.S. senators. People don't understand how important the U.S. Senate is. All right, so follow us here on our Facebook fan page, the African History Network. Follow us on our YouTube channel, Michael M. Hotel, because a lot of other people ain't, are not giving you this type of information. Uh, Renee, Gregory Osborne, I'm not sure, but whatever it is, it, whatever it is, it helps more than anyone else. Um, okay. All right, and a lot of people think, uh, and go listen to the interview I did with... Um, Dr. Claude Anderson. People think Dr. Claude Anderson is against voting. He's not against voting. He's talking about voting strategically and leveraging our economics to enforce our vote. We don't understand that. 
Because I hear people telling me about Dr. Claude Anderson. Hell, he just called me what two Tuesdays ago after after I interviewed him. So Doc's call he called me for advice. So Doc and I talk. He's not against voting. He's talking about voting strategically and getting something tangible for your vote. The other thing is we need to download, we need to read the document, because most of us haven't read it. Progress of the African American community in the uh under the Obama administration. Because that lays out um that lays out a lot of the policies from the Obama administration, how they positively impacted the African American community. Unfortunately, many of these are either under attack by Trump or being reversed by Trump. But most of these we don't even know exist. Uh, where is that? Let me see something here. Let me do an update. Hold on just a second here. Just a second. I'm monitoring uh, Washington Post and New York Times headlines. Okay, Trump announces deal to temporarily reopen government, Congress to vote to fund government for three weeks. Okay. I know Nancy Pelosi is speaking right now. Uh, let me see if I have this here. Yeah, progress of the African-American community under the Obama administration. So this breaks down in different categories. How the policies from President Obama positively impacted African-Americans. And at the same time, uh, I find it interesting people don't want to talk about the $1.2 billion settlement he authorized to be paid to black farmers. I just totally gets left out of the equation. I just totally, I just totally gets left out of the equation. Let's see, do I have it in this one here? It's in one of my, it's in one of my file folders. We'll post the link here also. That's at whitehouse.gov. Okay. Yeah, this right here. That's a whitehouse.gov. So people need to read this right here. Because if we read this, right, the way we voted in 2016 would be different. This was up for years. This was up during the Obama administration. Once again, we don't like to read. We don't do research. Okay. Progress of the African-American community during the Obama administration. Read that. Breaks down by categories. Everything from labor to education to uh, support for HBCUs to uh, My Brother's Keeper, criminal justice, advancing equity for women and girls, um, African-American judicial appointments. President, President Obama made 62 lifetime appointments of African-Americans to serve on the federal bench. This includes nine African-American circuit court judges. It also includes the appointment of 53 African-American district court, court judges including 26 African-American uh, women appointed to the federal court. 
which is more African-American women appointed by any president in history. That doesn't even get talked about. All right, look, hey, we got to get out of here. Remember, at the African History Network, we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world because right now it's corrects wrong behavior. What you do for yourself, what you do to yourself, and what you, yeah, the black farmers re, re, received their uh, money, uh, Anthony. Black farmers received their money. Now, hopefully, they'll get their money from Trump because the these uh, John Boyd was just interviewed early early this week by Roland Martin. You got to watch Roland Martin unfiltered. Okay, it airs Monday through Friday, six p.m. on Facebook and YouTube. Search for Roland Martin there, uh, Facebook and YouTube, and he has the videos also at his YouTube channel. And um, it re-airs like every two or four hours, something like that. We share it here on our Facebook fan page. Um, the So when the, the tariffs on soybeans that Trump put, okay, to try to punish China, that's really hurting soybean farmers. You have African-American farmers who are soybean farmers. Go watch the broadcast I did about uh, black farmers suing the Stein Seed Company, S-T-I-N-E, because they said they were sold uh, fake soybean seeds. And they said this was a, um, a strategy to steal their land from. Well, they're also hurt by these tariffs. So then Trump set aside $12 billion to uh, give aid to these farmers hurt by the tariffs. Those checks are held up by this government shutdown. So John Boyd, who's the president of the, uh, the National Black Farmers Association, he was just interviewed by Roland Martin uh, early this week, early this week on Roland's show. And John Boyd talked about this, okay? So this is an example of how politics impacts every aspect of our life. And people think that, the people who think that, oh, we just have more black businesses, we wouldn't be impacted by government shutdown. That means you don't understand the you don't understand the departments that are impacted by the shutdown and how those departments impact business because government regulates business. Policies regulate business entities, business industries. Business is not separate from politics, period. I don't care what I don't care what you learn in business school, you get out in the real business world. That's BS. I taught entrepreneurship for seven years. My degree is in business administration. I learned white business principles. You get out in the real world, half that stuff don't even work the way they teach you in business school. And I'm somebody that did business consulting for seven years, did business consulting for nonprofit organizations, for-profit organizations. I, I, the company I managed, we had government contracts. We had contracts with the state of Michigan. We had county contracts. The way that, Half that stuff don't even work that way they teach you in business school. You get out in the real world, you learn something entirely different. All right. So we have to get out of here. Remember, we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world because right now it's correct wrong behavior. It's not over till we win. Wakanda forever. We'll talk to you next time. Peace.